And welcome. It's PFG Live for Sunday, June 4th. I'm, I'm sorry for the delay. I see everybody's checking in here. Let me pick everybody up. We got uh, Chipload. Welcome aboard. Carl, welcome. He says, 51 degrees and gray in the Rhode Island. Miserable weather. I'd hate to miss any. Uh, Kevin, welcome aboard. Art that makes art. Wesley, it's 67 and your bamboo is doing its first two-color print. Well, you'll have time then. CJ Stevens, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. Brian, welcome aboard. 75 in Northeast Ohio. Widget Works is here. 20 degrees science, 50, 57% relative humidity, and sunny in Kanukistan. Welcome aboard, sir. Have some uh, back bacon. Uh, Functional Print Friday. Good afternoon to you. 75 and sunny in Pennsylvania. Nice. And 34% relative humidity. See, you guys that do 3D printing care about the relative humidity. CJ Stevens is here. 82, partly sunny in East Tennessee. Kevin Blodgett says 65, sunny in and breezy in Oregon. Awesome. Who else do we have? Robert Simpson. We did turn it off and on again. Wait till you see the reason we had the delay. You will not be sorry. Uh, let's see. And oh, Robert Isaac is here. All rise. Be seated. And uh, I was. <laughs> Carl says I was restringing my bass. You're not wrong. Uh, Robert Simpson says 75 and sunny north of Detroit. I heard it's always sunny north of Detroit. Because north of Detroit is Canuckistan. <sighs> well, welcome. This was a little crazy. We had some serious tech going on, which we're going to enjoy today. Uh, weird week in the shop. If you have been paying any attention, you know that I got my bamboo printer. Um, I've been putting it through its paces. Excellent results with a couple of twists, which we're going to talk about today. Um, my work on the Benelli pins, which are going to the grinder next, uh, made no progress this week, but, uh, that's next up. Also part one of the Benelli pin, uh, video is, is in the editing room. So, uh, haven't finished the edit yet. This takes a while. Uh, so that's coming. And those are the things that are happening. So what's the story with the bamboo? I, I hinted about ordering one. I finally told you I did. It came on Thursday. Today's Sunday. So I got it up and running. My son helped. And we got it working. And uh, we got it hooked up to the network. We got Bamboo Studio running. And uh, everything was going clickety-click. And then I put in some PETG because that's what I use to make the trays for uh, PFG stones. For more information, go to pfgstones.com. And um, the PETG recipe was requiring some tuning, uh, and I learned a ton. But I want to pop up 10,000 feet and just talk a little bit about the bamboo printer in general. And uh, I've got a couple of guests today. I want to bring them in pretty fast. Uh, one of them owns a bamboo printer. The other one, I, I think he, 
uh, nod your head up and down if you still own a bamboo printer. Okay, so both of them own bamboo printers. One of them's a, a 3D printing noob. So we're going to get a good perspective from, from somebody who's, this is their first 3D printer. And the other one owns 50, 50, 54 uh, 3D printers of various uh, sizes. But he knows, he knows the history of bamboo from day one when it was a Kickstarter. So let me just bring them in one at a time. We'll introduce you. First of all, I don't know if you've ever met this guy before, uh, but this is Mr. Robin Renzetti. Welcome aboard, Robin. Glad to be here. And uh, so the, this is your first 3D printer, right? Yes. And you're having a ball? Yes. It just and works. It just, it just works. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll talk more about that. Our second guest today is Mr. Bill Shonger. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thank you, sir. Good to be here. Uh, tell everybody where you're sitting right now. In the flattest part of the U.S. I could possibly find, somewhere near North <laughs> Flat, Nebraska. Outstanding, uh, for reasons which we will not disclose. It's none of our business. Uh, K Bonk just checked in. Not always sunny here, but uh, okay. So let's bring both of these guys in. I'll I'll explain. I'll explain the madness. Uh, so Bill, you you were in on the initial. Why are you laughing? Because I said madness and I went to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's normally what happens. Yeah. At least, we, at least we got that clear. So Bill was in on the original Kickstarter for the Bamboo uh, X1C, X1 Carbon. And I want to hear, uh, let's go back in time. Tell me, tell me about that whole thing and what, what you saw and why you jumped in. Yeah, so... As you mentioned, I have way too many 3D printers. I don't have a problem at all. No, no problem there. Uh, but, you know, in going through them, there's always something you hate about your 3D printer. There's always something that just does not work right. You're tweaking it. You're tuning it. Not that you've ever had any weird issues with Taz's or starting with the Prusa. Nothing like that. But, you know, because in dealing with them all the time and fixing them, I got tired of it. I was like, okay, there's got to be something out there. So Prusa announced, like, the XL. And like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You can pre-order this. I'm sure I'm Joseph Prusa. It's going to be out real, real soon now. That waited a while. Meanwhile, suddenly, while waiting for that, they kept being pushed back and pushed back. We saw Bamboo. It's like, okay, new Kickstarter. That's worked out well before. But it just seemed too interesting. You know, the people's backgrounds, the engineering backgrounds. It seemed like they actually had a chance to do something right. And they were looking at the things that normally went wrong. And so I looked up and said, okay, you know, I'm going to have a little race. We're going to see who wins, Joseph Prusa or these random, you know, former DJI engineers and other things. Prusa lost. Um, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it, was like, it had all the features I wanted. It looked neat and multicolor changes, multi-materials. Other, oh, that, I want that thing. So it was neat. It was a community of people. That was what drove me as I joined their Discord and said, okay, you know, these, these are people that have the same doubts I do, but we'll all just sit in it together and see what happens. So it was attractive, and and it had it had Shiny. promise, and Joseph was a little slow on the uptake. He was, and that was disappointing because you know all the neat things he would post about it. He would show about different fairs and things. He would talk about the multi material, his load sensors, all these lovely things, and it just kept getting pushed out. Meanwhile, the bamboo's like, we're getting closer. We've shipped out these units. I'm like, wait, what? So the second they shipped out the very first test unit, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm jumping on this thing. So I got in as one of the you know first 500 backers or so of you know 
not the initial 50 that got it super cheap and I'm super jealous, but the next wave. So I got like the combo and the AMS and all those things and then joined their discord and with everyone else, we just watched going to windows mine ship. And there would be periods of silence. It was like nothing shipping, nothing's happening. What do we get our money back? What happens? And then there'd be sudden updates. And so it's that typical Kickstarter up and down cycle where you're like, I'm excited. Oh, I, oh, but it was looking neat. It was a lot of fun to follow. And it was became a game. People would start tracking and they would put in, oh, hey, I just got mine. We'd be like, where do you live? What was your UPS number? What center did it ship from? Who told you what, when, what forum? Oh, my God. And it was just, it was hilarious. Cause we're like, okay, it may fail, but in the meantime, we're having fun. Awesome. So, and what, what, when did you get yours? Oh, God, mine was batch two. So mine was January. It's been a long time. It seems like it's been in my house forever. So, you know, it's it kind of shoved the Mark Forged off to the side and made a new home for itself. But So that, that's only six months ago, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how many they've shipped in six months. A lot. Oh, my so, God. And they've gone to the P1P and they've gone to everything else. So it's just. Just so so did it gangbusters. did it look like what we're getting right now? It did. Yep, it looks exactly what I got. The X one carbon combo looks exactly what like what's shipping now. I and mean, there's a couple of minor internal tweaks. There's a okay. lot of firmware tweaks, but you know most of the sensors and things they had right day one. So the very very first batch are people complaining about you know, broken glass doors or this sensor or this is bent or the, but now they've been shipping pretty much the same chassis and most things since then and it's it's a lovely little aluminum thing with its door it comes out it's it's shiny i like it <laughs> so um and I'll, I'll remind everybody by the way if you if you're listening and you're on the discord server you could use the uh, general chat in discord to submit questions um and i'll welcome uh, flat lapper 76 and mostly sunny in northern illinois thank you uh that's pretty amazing how responsive was bamboo to the discovered issues they were pretty fast that was the crazy thing is they operated like an agile software company because they controlled everything they controlled the firmware and the slicer so early on there was a lot of focus on them just trying to get the things out the door and so responsiveness was kind of slow if you emailed them you got nothing Absolutely nothing. If you went on their Discord server, it was kind of like the Twitter of their world. You know, they cared about what people were saying on their Discord. So if you posted something, everyone else that was an early backer would be like, oh, you know, I heard this or I heard this from this person on this day. And they would respond to that or they would say, OK, we're going to look at that and fix it. And That's there were pretty some, cool. There were some early issues where they're like, I'm not quite sure we're going to get to that. You know, some of the early power on, power off issues or just some early issues with Slicer and firmware where you never knew okay, is this going to be like something else where it's going to stay broken? But each month, you'd start seeing more and more of the community feedback incorporated. You'd start seeing more and more of the fixes. And it started looking a lot more like a real company versus just some fly-by-night Kickstarter. And it's just jumped from there. It's amazing. So I have a little experiment going on right now in that I found an issue on mine, uh, which Mm -hmm. we'll talk about. And I submitted a ticket on the website. I yep. posted about it on the Discord server, and I mentioned it on my Instagram feed. Yeah. And it's Sunday, so let's see what happens Monday morning. Uh, so that is pretty neat. So are you using it today? Are you still using it? It's not in the car, so not today. But um, <laughs> You didn't bring it with you? You know, I'd like to be it's a one-way rental, so I'd end up leaving the printer in the rental car. And that, <laughs> would, that would be a bad plan. Don't no, worry. I, one... I use it every day. 
one day rental cars will all have 3D printers. Or be 3D printed, you know, either way, you know, just go up and pick what chassis you want. But yeah, no, so I use it pretty much every day because I make weird stuff, you know, the fun little things for the kids and for the makerspace and everything. It's, just like, it's fun because it works. It, I don't, I have so many 3D printers at home. I have 17 in the house right now, you know, <laughs> resin printers and FDM printers. I've got, you know, a dozen and a half at the makerspace and others. I got too many printers, but I use this one. It's like, so it says something. <laughs> I, I think I think he just uh, caused Robin to run out and order another <laughs> printer. I don't think he I don't think he was able to stand the fact that he only has one. So, um, well, that's pretty neat. So my uh, story is that uh, actually Robin got his before me, and then I decided that oh he found another example. I decided that I needed to uh, try this thing because of the speeds and. Uh, Mr. Uh, John Saunders encouraged, you know, posted about it, fairly even-handed about his experiences, which sounded like like what Robin was saying. Uh, it just works. Um, and I said, you know what? We're going to have to check this thing out. And uh, there were a few features that I really liked, which I'll, I'll save for a little later. Uh, I'm sure it'll come out in the discussion. Functional Print Friday says he has one on the way. Excellent. Um, Wesley says the only real trouble I've had is the camera doesn't seem to work I'm going to uninstall everything and try again but I haven't wanted to turn it off and try to fix it but keep us posted um, so here we are uh, I arrive on the scene Robin arrives on the scene John Saunders arrives on the scene it's not a Kickstarter it's a commercial product and uh, we see other people so to, uh, robin how did you get exposed to the bamboo and then how did you decide to just go ahead and order it i listened to uh john and john on the uh business of machining and uh john mentioned it and was excited about it and um immediately from there because i i've always known one that just works would be very handy but yeah. i certainly don't need any projects so um, I went on there. I went looked on the site, and a day later, I said, "That's it. I'm I'm going for it." That was even before he did his uh, YouTube video. Ah, so just, just his mention on there. I went on, looked, everything was there. And I said, "You know what? It's not cheap, but it's not expensive." <laughs> and and uh, so I went I went for the for the whole thing, and uh, yeah, that's what that's what got me exposed. That's pretty cool. Uh, so my. My first prints have been uh, excellent. Uh, I've been printing. I printed in PLA. I did the. I did their benchy. Uh, it was glorious, and I've done benchies. Uh, it was. It was pretty, pretty stunning. And then I went ahead and started uh, tuning up for PETG. I did get a PETG recipe. It is printing well. There is one issue. I think we'll have a segment called Issues in a few minutes, but let's save that. So what have you been printing, Robin? Uh, initially, a lot of stuff for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's you know, let's just gets... point out that we have a philosophy, which is happy wife, happy life. <laughs> uh, seriously, there were things like uh, something as simple as just a cap to go on top of a decorative item so a plant could sit on top. And I'm like, yeah. okay, disc, 
uh, three, you know, uh, a cross underneath it with draft on them, just give a little support underneath and bang, you know, there it is. And uh, another thing to go from a jar to the bottom of the candle with a little, you know, diamond, huge diamond neural kind of pattern on the outside of it. And, um, yeah, really cool. Um, um, Wes, Wes just posted a picture of his, uh, Combination spider benchy. I mean, what what do we even call it? Benchipus. Benchipus. Yeah. Wes is out of control. Uh, Excellent. And I guess my first thing was um, after the benchy. Well, I'm I'm a bit of a nerd, so I started printing some twenty millimeter a bit. Thank you, Bill. I started printing some 20 millimeter uh, calibration blocks. Ba- basically, I, I immediately tried to get the, the PETG going. And the first thing I actually printed was, I, this is going to come as a shock, I know, a, uh, a tray for the six inch PFG stones. Except I tried one of the new features, which is putting raised text on it. I put a little bit of raised text. And yeah. that was kind of cool. Uh, but then I looked at the times. Not that I'm a speed demon, <laughs> but I looked at the times and it was literally 2x. Okay, faster. But wait, there's more. I then started tweaking my, you know, doing research on my uh, PETG recipe. And I found there was a, a, a number called a volumetric uh, limit, uh, millimeters, cubic millimeters per minute. And I found reference on the web that somebody had tested it with PETG, whatever that means. And he came up with an optimum of 18. And it was set to uh, Proust's generic PETG had it set to 10. I imported it as 8 from my previous uh, experience on the, on the Prusa. So I set it to 15. And then I let it rip. Then I printed some four-inch trays, okay? Again, nothing crazy, but now the time compared to the Prusa, and literally I was I was printing them in parallel, was three times faster. Yeah. And it looked, it looks great. It's and you didn't just fantastic. press the turbo button and make it go even faster? Over I'm over afraid. Again. I'm afraid. I might, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to go back in time, okay? This, I'm afraid I'll, like maybe cause a quasar or something. I don't know what'll happen, but uh, I'm impressed enough at whatever normal is uh, that I'm getting three x speeds now. Yeah, that's ro- that's the fun part. It's just so fast. We had one of the other early backers, like a guy named Cole from our makerspace, and he and I got them literally the same day. So both of them arrived the same. We're sending each other messages back and forth. Going, I got mine. Did you open yours? Did it run it? Is it good? Is it bad? And we're like constantly. And he's like, first thing he does is turn it on, print their benchy. Second thing he does is print the benchy and crank it up to max. And then left it at max for every other print he did for like the next two weeks. Now, talking about an early way to break the printer yeah. is not quite meant to go to max and stay there. You know, feed rates. So just don't turn the dial up to 11 and leave it for everything. Bad plan. Did he break anything? 
Oh yeah, yeah. He he caused problem because you're not supposed to leave it at max for everything. You know that's why you have feed rates. That's why you adjust things. He's just like, no max, go. But it was great because he was getting these insane print times, but he had problems. The platform was having issues. He got error reports. I mean, like I haven't gotten a single error. He's like, I get these weird errors all the time. I don't yeah. know why. So I I haven't taken it off of whatever you know normal. Uh, how about you, Robin? You, you, you probably have. I didn't even know there was a max button. <laughs> Don't they? They copied. They copied Tesla in calling their top speed ludicrous. <laughs> ludicrous. And, and based on what I'm seeing under normal, I'm I'm genuinely afraid to to try it. Uh, uh, Kyle says I do think you have to be mindful of strength loss of prints at higher speeds. You are correct, and I believe it was um, CNC Kitchen on YouTube who did some tests that way. Uh, this is beyond us. We're I'm just trying to make, dude. I'm just trying to make trays here and benches, trays, <laughs> benches, trays. So, uh, and then uh, Wes says normal speed is bonkers. It's true. Yep, it is. It's crazy. Uh, so, but. I'm ready to print some different stuff and uh, waste some filament. I, I what, what have you been printing besides? I know you brought in a couple of samples. The samples you, that you brought in, Robin, are those uh, 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 problems you had, errors? Uh, well, I have, I have, I have both. The, the actually the only problem that I had, the only prints that that, that have failed, is um, poor glue stick placement. Because mm -hmm. I, I was kind of learning, like, well, how much glue stick is the right amount? Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, for a while, I was putting glue stick on, hosing it down with alcohol, where it'll kind of emulsify, so you can get a nice, even coat. And I realized that's pretty much a waste of time, in, you know, in general. But um, a lack, lack of glue stick uh, was one failure where it peeled. And then uh, what material? This is PLA? I, I have only... I've only used PLA at the moment. I have okay. all, I have all the materials. I have uh, every everything they have. I bought, but I need to go to a point six nozzle to do most of them, and I just don't feel like fussing with it right at the moment because I've got plenty of other stuff to do. Um, this uh, piece right here, uh, you were doing good. Up there, we go. There, there you go. go. This piece right here, um, it failed. And I've also found that when I went in and thought I was going to be clever and change things, you know, with the initial settings, I realized, don't do that. Whatever it comes up with, orient the stupid thing, put it on the platform, and hit the go button. Don't mess with anything. Because every time I did something different, oh, let's change the infill, let's change it, it, it did not work. It printed, but it didn't work as well. This, this failed purely because it didn't put a skirt on it. And these little teeny things... As soon as I said, I knew enough to say, okay, well, let's put a skirt on it. As soon as I put the skirt on it, it printed just like this. Perfect. So that's the only failures I've had of printing of any kind. I've had no, no fail. I've had it tell me, check your first layer because it thought there might be an issue. I looked and said, I don't see an issue. Go. And they printed perfect every time. So, yeah. Send pretty, it. Just, just, yeah, just yeah. amazing. Um, I have to confess I didn't do anything with the glue stick at all. So no. I, I basically said, hey, I've been doing this a while. I don't use glue stick. So uh, knock on wood, it worked. 
the printer comes with something they call the, an engineering plate. I still don't understand where the words come from. Uh, marketing. Marketing. So it's a it's a textured. I don't even know what the material is. It's almost PEI. Uh, it's steel with a PEI powder coat that's textured. Okay, that makes sense. And then on the other side, they put a stick-on smooth uh, labeled for PLA. Mm -hmm. So my, I just applied the experience I had on the Prusa uh, and then modified it. On the smooth one, I treated it just like the Prusa, which is for PLA. It was just an alcohol clean, isopropyl alcohol clean and print. It was perfect. So I, I would encourage you to test that, Robin. Okay. On the textured side, which is what I needed for the PETG, according to the label, I started with my normal uh, Windex, except it's not smooth, it's textured. So I actually did not get good results. I got lack of adhesion. I stopped it early. So then I said, hmm, I'm going to just clean it with alcohol and go. So textured plate. The, the, the so-called engineering plate, cleaned with isopropyl, printed with PETG, perfect. Like, don't have to do anything. So I'm yeah. literally doing nothing but cleaning with alcohol and going, and I've had nothing but good results so far with uh, PLA on the smooth side and PETG on the, on the textured side. Yeah. That's, that's I use the textured side for almost everything, and I just use Windex both pet G for PLA, whatever, even the ASA with carbon fiber. And it's just been phenomenal. So as opposed to my other ones, was like, okay, glue stick here, clean this off here. When so. you use the Windex trick, do you, yep. uh, do you clean it to dry? Yes. Okay. That explains it. Cause my use of Windex is I clean it to wet and then mm -hmm. I let it dry in the printer, leaving that, uh, release agent, which, yep. which it does not want. Yes. For PETG. Yeah. So, uh, okay, interesting difference. Uh, Unix Carbide, who I spoke to earlier, nice to see you, guy, says uh, Aquanet with removable bed plates, blah, blah, blah. If you like glue sticks, Aquanet hairspray is also fantastic adhesion depending on filament used. Warning, yep. some bed plates have specific coatings which are damaged slash removed by IPA. Check your plate docs or you may ruin it. Or just start using IPA. Um, yep. thank you for that. Uh, yeah, Aquanet is sort of the classic, right? Right. The old school hairspray on the bed plate, you know, back since the dawn of time. Yep. Back yeah. when we had glass build plates and the blue tape and everything else. Yeah, I yeah, started, it looks like you're holding your hair really well. Yep. I, yeah, I'm starting to use Aquanet now. So far, so good. Right. I strap it down too. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's what's interesting to me is you get the variety, you get the magnetic build plates and the flex build plates just right out of the box as well. You know, traditionally it was always the oh hey, this is an upgrade for this thing. This is and it's just they give you the variety, they give you spare stickers, or at least they did with the Kickstarter pack, so you can yeah, replace them easily. You're good to go, and it's just I've loved it. It's just the fact that it just works. The sensors work even when you switch between the plate type. As long as in the slicer you remember to switch the plate type too. You know, when you're slicing, don't forget to say, hey, I'm using this type of plate. Otherwise, you're going to have a bad day. So here's a question for you, Bill. Does mm -hmm. the does the LiDAR read the plate? Does it know what the plate is? 
Yeah, it's got the little scanner, so it checks the plate mm-hmm. type. So it'll say a plate yeah. mismatch if you try and print. So it's okay. got the little barcodes yeah. and things on it, so you're good. But it can't scan accurately as well on the textured plate to say, hey, everything looks good. So it's like, hi, I'm, I'm going to kind of skip this step right now, which is, is fine once you get things dialed in. So, Well, uh, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about problems because uh, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> of course. Um, Robin, you got one. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, one thing I wanted to mention, um, I noticed on the last, I, I haven't actually studied the manual or anything. I just, uh, you know, dive in and if I have a question, I go find out. So um, one thing I wasn't sure about was, uh, do we need to do the calibration each time? And I thought probably not. But I noticed on the last update that the calibration stays put. So I have calibrated in the morning and then turned it off on every other print for the entire day and never had an issue. Yep. Yeah, for yeah. calibration and for flow control calibration, normally mm-hmm. the only time I'll redo it is if I'm changing the filament because just that initial purge, sometimes if I forget to let it do flow calibration for whatever the filament is, something will be just a little bit off, like that end of the filament was a little bit dry or wet or bad or dirty or dog slobbered or something. And so that's the only time I have to redo it. You're right. You know, just put it in. Once it's done, it's done. It's yeah. zero. You go. I, I haven't had the guts to turn that off yet. Uh, <laughs> Most Mostly because I'm tuning. I, I want to make sure, you know, once I get my recipe right, I'll, I'll experiment with that. I'll start turning off the, the thing. Um, so under the topic of problems, uh, I don't consider getting the PETG tuned in a problem. That's just a process. But what I have found is with the PETG, PETG, PETG tends to uh, drool. Um, so... Uh, Kapok asks, where is it storing calibration? Do you know that, Bill? Where is it storing the actual calibration of when it's run? It's on the machine itself. So if you turn it off, connect from a different slicer. We've also got your cloud settings, too. So it syncs most things, you know, your profiles and things up to the cloud. So as far as, you know, internal memory versus cloud setting, I'm not for sure where it's storing it once you've done it once. But again, you can turn it off and on again. So it's non-volatile. Yeah. Yeah, So we're, we're guessing that it's in the machine. Um, so the problem I had was, uh, once I got all my adhesion issues, everything was cool with the PETG, uh, it would come in, it would do its calibration stuff. It would print the first layer and then it would go in the back. It would clean its nose. It would cool down. I started observing the temperatures. It would cool down the the nozzle and then it would come over with the LIDAR, scan the first layer, move to the back. I guess think about it for a while. Maybe that was actually up, uploading to the cloud and doing cloud stuff. I don't know. But it would say, hey, first layer looks good. It would come back and start printing the second layer and bringing with it some drool from the PETG. You don't have this problem with PLA. Do not panic. Um, and it would leave a little, I don't know, three-quarter inch long piece of, of drool in my print and sometimes killing the print. I I got around the problem by making a, I gotta get the words right, a skirt, uh, and I did a, th- a three loop wide skirt, four layers high, basically saying that there's a high probability that I'm gonna take that piece of drool and lock it up in the skirt away from the part. That worked. Um, 
but it's a workaround. Hmm. So what I'd like to see is after it, it just before it comes in for layer two, <laughs> it, it it wipes and cleans and does its little shtick in the back, and then immediately comes in and starts doing layer two. I think that's a fix. I don't know how to do that. I, others tell me that I can write a little G code action and and have it do that myself, but I haven't gotten that far. Um, any feedback from you, Bill? I haven't seen it drool on the pet G I use. I don't know whether my pet G is less drooly, um, but I guess if you've changed the, I know you just drool it in your age, man. We both are. Um, so don't I know. guess. The big thing is what the temperature ranges of things, because most of the time when it goes to the back, it's supposed to make one pass over the nozzle cleaner. So basically it should traverse horizontally and then come back to build. So it sounds like either there's a new firmware bug or there's just an excessive temperature buildup. Or I could be wrong. It could be going and, <laughs> and doing another wipe. But I think with the PET-G, it can wipe it and then it can kind of stick to the side of the nozzle. Hmm. I, I know there's a mod that somebody's come up with which replaces the little piece of tubing, horizontal tubing that it wipes on with a brush. Mm -hmm. And I'm tempted. I'm very tempted. But I, I like the, the skirt solution seems to be a adequate workaround. Also, I've been testing with little tiny prints. Mm. So bigger prints, the thing is going to be making a lot more miles and the probability that that thing is going to end up elsewhere is is high. But that's the only... That's the issue I've had um, on printing. Now we should compare on the prints and things. So if you send me the file when I get back, we can run it and try like some different temperature ranges and things as well, but just watching the movement. Because that'd be interesting. You're, if you're on. Show you. Yeah. We'll do so some like, tests. You know where to find me. Yeah. So what was what, what – yeah, I do know where to find you. <laughs> so full disclosure, Bill and I uh, – uh, Bill is the president of the makerspace that I am a member of. Therefore, I have to bow to him every time I see him. Uh-huh. Well, um, only if you want to use the water jet. That's that's, that's true. We were going to talk about the water jet today, but I don't know. We may run out of time. Uh, and that's the uh, that's Make It Labs in Nashua, New Hampshire, and uh, a great place to uh, have a makerspace. Um, so, Robin, what have, have you had any issues with stuff coming off on in the print on the bed anywhere? No, I've even okay. Moving I've on. Even had... <laughs> Spencer drools. A uh, situation where I forgot about the calibration strip uh, on the front side and oriented a long piece. It's actually this this piece right here. Um, we had friends over, and they had these wooden boards for playing dominoes to stack your dominoes in. So uh, every time I mentioned 3D printers, they just kind of glazed over. So I said, hold on a minute. So I went out, and I, I, I programmed this in SolidWorks, started the printer up while we're still playing dominoes, and then brought this out. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. That, but that actually printed right over the the uh, calibration strips and never skipped a beat. It just kept yep. right on going. You can see <laughs> at the bottom, but it, it didn't care. I, I nice. thought the slicer. I thought the slicer is supposed to be smart enough to move it away from the calibration strips. Maybe I, I just did the auto alignment, and it lined it up over those. And I should have had enough. Yeah range to switch at 90 degrees and i did on another print second print to not have that happen okay yeah and there's another option i think where it forces that to be avoided too i haven't used that one because same thing i try to figure out where it's going and play around with it but i believe there's actually an option to say never right over this area but so is that is that your worst 
failure story, Robin? I mean, but yeah. so, uh, you well, told well, us about well, the no, other no, one. No, I do have another failure story. Uh, a brass finial on top of a, of a lamp. And we got these uh, globes uh, real cheap, but they all had different shaped finial. So I said to my wife, I said, well, I'll just print, 3D print this. And me, not thinking about it, I just said, I'll just set that thing flat down. It'll build support underneath because it had a concave. And that's the one that failed where it peeled. Okay. Then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to import that thing again. Tell it to orient it. So what's it do? It cancels the whole thing at 45 degrees. The disc. Right? I don't tell it anything else other than turn the trade on and let it go. It built trees up around the thing and printed that thing absolutely flawlessly at 45 degrees. Um, it was just amazing. I was just flabbergasted. You're ahead of me. I have not yet tried a here you go, figure it out. You know, but now I'm now I'm tempted to do that. That's pretty cool. I haven't seen the trees yet because I... Oh, they're, I, they're amazing. Oh, they're phenomenal. Yeah. Well... I guess I'm behind. You are. It's okay. That's, You'll catch up. <laughs> okay, so I I posted a photo. So I, I get the printer. I get it set up. I start playing with it. And, and in the front, you know, it's got a three-point support for the plate. Can we have a moment of silence for kinematic support, please? Thank you very much. And uh, uh, uh. Carl? Carl says, do you want to keep trying for today or plan to reconvene next week? Are we not here? Can you not hear the words coming out of my mouth? I think we're here. Is it okay. an existential crisis we're having? Well, Carl might be having an existential crisis. Um, uh -oh. Okay, so so uh, the two supports, the two uh, ball screws are in the front, and there's one centered in the back. The left-hand front ball screw at the top there's a bearing in a in a little shelf support the what appears to be a dust bushing seal white rubbery thing popped out of that bearing and i was like okay i'll push it back in <laughs> so i i pushed it i pushed it in and um went about my business well a couple of prints later it popped out again. So I took a picture of it. Here, here comes the Discord story, right? The community story. I took a picture of it from a, two different angles, I think. And I put it up on Discord. I say, hey, this thing keeps popping up. Uh, does anybody else have an explanation? And two guys jumped back in and said, well, it doesn't look like mine. Look, And they, they, they took my picture and drew on it with two arrows. This doesn't look right, and this doesn't look right. And one guy says, yeah, your bracket that the thing is mounted on is bent. And I looked at it, and I'm like, holy cow. Somebody halfway around the world threw a crappy picture on Discord, <laughs> correctly pointed that out. So <clears throat> I said, send me a picture of yours, and it's the shelf. You know, the shelf that the bearing is in was bent down. And what yep. if you think about the forces, right, the it it pushed out that thing because of the forces of the ball ball screw end in the bearing. So I said, "You're right." So I took pictures of it, uh, and I posted it again. I posted it to uh, Discord. I posted it. I sent in a ticket, and we'll see what happens. But it's a real it's a real uh, manufacturing error. 
So we'll see what happens. It is not, here's the weird thing. It's not affecting printing. Yeah. Go figure, right? Let's calibrate that out. Uh, so that's uh, that's been pretty that's been pretty cool. Um, I I don't know what else to say about failures because I think I've enumerated all of the failures I've I've uh, encountered. Um, I think early on a lot of the failures were firmware. There was early shipment issues and things. They've been so good about releasing firmware updates that most of the failures are, you know, filament related or print related. You know, the normal kind of things where adhesion is bad because there's just not enough surface area and someone doesn't do a skirt or a brim or something else and there's you know warping just inherently. But the the biggest thing people complain about now, or at least used to complain about all the time, was filament compatibility. You know, the cardboard spools thing. The spools too big, spools ah. too small. So let's talk about that because I've been printing with um, <clears throat> Overture uh, PL, uh, PETG and that comes on a cardboard spool. So I proudly, uh, before the printer ever showed up, I went to printables and I found somebody designed uh, a, a spool adapter, which is basically a, a plastic ring to give the AMS a way to roll on an otherwise cardboard uh, spool. And when they when it came in, I snapped I snapped my rings on. I put it in the AMS. Everything was great until I closed the AMS. It makes the spool just big enough to hit the top of the AMS when you lock it. Well, I ended up the the, the AMS has these two toggle bolts that lock it closed. So I yep. opened the toggles, lifted the lid, closed the toggles, and now the lid sits on top of the toggles while I use up my cardboard spools, which is kind of a hint because I don't want to keep doing that. No. So I am probably going to change <clears throat> filament brands. I hate to do this because I like the cardboard spools. Yeah. If, if Bamboo – hey, Bamboo, listen up. If bamboo changed the cover of the AMS so that it was a centimeter higher, notice how I switched. Did you see how I switched there mm. from it, from Imperial the Imperial March? Mm. Uh, if it was a centimeter higher, so it just didn't care about your spool diameter, it would have negligible increase in volume in there because I know they care about moisture, and you know you could use the cardboard spool adapters. That would be a good thing. But in the meantime. It's sitting with a crack in the in the door so the mosquitoes can get in. Yeah, and, uh, and one of the things from a community perspective, that was one of the biggest pieces of useful things coming off the Discord was people trying all their spools in the AMS and saying, this works, this doesn't work, this filament's a pile of crap. So you know, there's definitely for anyone that gets one, I, I couldn't recommend the Discord more strongly. It's just there's always good information up there, and it's kind of like this session where people are just sharing with no bias. It's just like, look, this works, this doesn't work, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. So it's like, it comes in handy. But Robin, the AMS awesome. Robin, I will help yeah, I, you with, I will help you with Discord, I promise. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the AMS is one of my favorite things about this thing. Not only, you know, do you not run out of filament in the middle of it because it can swap between, you know, spool one and spool two, but multicolor, even though it makes multicolor poop everywhere, um, is just really, it's a game changer. I mean, I've made so many little toys and other things, but multi-material printing, different materials for support and body and other, you can experiment a lot more easily just going, oh, I'm just going to swap out A and B, 
but you can import other people's recipes. Like Patreons for people to do 3D modeling are now starting to send out pre-colored models. So they'll be like little kids' toys, and they'll be articulated, and they'll be like, well, this part uses white, this part uses blue, this part uses red. You load it in, and the stupid thing will pick the closest filament color you have loaded at the time. If you, if you don't have white or blue, it'll say, well, yellow's kind of close to white, and you know, purple's kind of close to... So it's trying to help you all the place, but it just opens up so many possibilities, but then leaves multicolored purge poop in the back. So that's, that's the setting I had to work the longest at to tweak to my liking, was when it's switching between colors, how much volume of filament is it extruding to purge the nozzle? What's it doing with it? Is it putting it inside the model, outside the model? They have these like little mistletoes and Christmas ornaments. And other and they're, just, they're a lot of fun to print on. It's showing someone something in four, eight, twelve colors. I only have one ANS. Very sad. I need more. But showing somebody something in four colors that just came right off the printer with no painting is like it blows their mind. Oh, it's, it's already blowing my mind. I, I, you've given me three works, a week's worth of work. What are you holding up? Uh, this uh, piece here is. Um, I'm. I'm. One of the things I'm doing. Is I'm using this a lot to make some uh, physical items to demonstrate principles on a upcoming video on um, uh, in-depth, super in-depth collet understanding, five uh, C collet understanding. Cool. Um, the the mechanics of it that I think even people who make collets aren't aren't going to acknowledge some of the things I'm going to show until they go, oh my god, because uh, it's something I discovered. Um, and it was like, Paul, oh. and, uh, so anyhow, this piece is one of those pieces. I, everything I've been making, the size is irrelevant. And I thought, oh, let me just measure this, see how this thing's doing less than a thousandth inch error on all these dimensions from what I put in, in millimeters, no adjustments, no nothing. And that's, that's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, I, back in the old 3d printing days, like, oh, it's kind of the width of a finger off. That's kind of close. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I I did a little bit of measuring, not much. Oh look, it's a collet, dude. <laughs> well, thank you for showing us your collet. Not many people would do that. <laughs> That's that is pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Funny thing about collet and three D printing. I'm about to make a collet to adapt my overly large Ford F one fifty cup holder thing that has springy fingers and they were helping you by making it too big but then i bought a radio mount that locks into the cup holder but it won't lock into the one that's too uh, helpfully large so now i have to make an adapter but i can't just make an adapter it has to be a collet because when when my little thing expands it has to lock into the thing so i'm actually strange I'm about to make a collet in uh, in uh, on the bamboo. Well, this is uh, this is very exciting. Um, so I I'm excited about the fact that this thing works, like you said, just works. Uh, the technology is so far. I I literally sat there in the basement. I was in the basement staring at the screen and staring at the printer, and I was asking myself in my head the following questions: How fast can I sell the Prusas? <laughs> and and they're my they're my insurance policy. Like they they just work right. I I can walk up to them and say, "Make me a tray." It'll make me a tray. That's all cool. So I can't like get rid of them too quick because I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. But I am really serious about 
getting another one already. Oh, yeah. And that's and, the thing. Uh, I've been looking at all the little ones. I have these little flash forges and things. We fixed them all up and donated them to libraries. and things. And I'm getting rid of all of them because I've got so many printers. But the reason was speed and just being able to do things in parallel. But if these things had you know, a 10, 15% more bed space on them, if I could do just a little bit larger items, I'd replace everything I have except the giant printer. But You have to know that they're going to come out with a big one, right? Oh, you have to. You, absolutely. I mean... XL is out now. They've got a little bit of competition and things. But if they come out with something, you know, that's another one or two inches, you know, 50, 60 millimeters, if we're going back to metric again, um, that's going to hit the cosplay market because that's a big group of people right now that say, I love this printer, but I have to split these, you know, for example, helmets into two parts. If they could print a full helmet on these things, there are so many people out there that buy one immediately or do things like take the Prusa caster guitar model like we did and print it on the bamboo just to show prusa that you can print it faster but it's it's just so many options it's it's awesome i'd replace everything i'd love to be a fly on the wall at prusa right now oh gosh i want to hear okay i have to give you a report on customer service in a previous episode i (laughs) (laughs) i posited that uh customer service is going to be different right between prusa and and bamboo and so I did an experiment. I came up with a question that I was going to a- ask each of them. And this was before I was on the Discord server, by the way. Um, when you had to be told. When I, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the question was simple. I, I'm going to order some uh, steel sheets. How long will it take before I get them? Stupid question, right? I went to the Prusa site, and there's a chat. And I hit the chat, and I got uh, Joshua. Um, and Joshua answered my question. I said, hey, I'm going to order some steel sheets. What should I do? Joshua said, well, we have a U.S. distributor now called Printed Solids. And if you order it from them, you can get it you know, in a couple of days. If you order it from us, it's going to take at least a week, possibly two weeks, blah, 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 blah. Full answer to question. I said, thank you, Joshua. By the way. Where are you sitting right now? And he answered in the best possible way. He said, on the 10th floor. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, where on the 10th floor? And he says, oh, I'm in the Prusa building on the 10th floor. I said, Joshua, thank you very much. You've been very helpful. And chat. Total elapsed time, three minutes. Okay? Literally. I go over to the bamboo site, not knowing that there was this whole community, right? And I find the little button, and it gives me a form. It says, fill this out. What, are your, what kind of inquiry do you have? And I said, hey, I'm going to order some steel sheets. I'm wondering how long it'll take to get. My answer came in, I can't remember exactly, at least four days later. Um. So, I get the feeling that the Prusa customer service loop is tighter than the Bamboo customer service loop. But wait, then I confess to you today that I go on the Discord site and I say, gee, my thing is sticking out. And two guys diagnose the fact that I ate too much salt in my diet and, and maybe I need some more vegetables in like, you know, 10 minutes. So... Jury's still out, but this um, 
this ticket that I just filed with with this bent bracket is going to is going to sort of be the indicator there. So we'll see what we'll see what happens, and I'm very interested to see what the uh, what the results are. Um, okay, so anybody in the chat room, if you have a question, this is your chance because we're coming up on the top of the hour. Um, I have more material to talk about. I was going to talk about the water jet, but I think we're going to leave that for another day. What do you say, Bill? You, yeah, we can cover that one. We'll do some more experiments too. In fact, Check we'll, tamper, all those good things. We'll do some test parts. In fact, uh, Robin can give us some homework, and we'll go. We'll go do some test parts. Uh, the short version of that, by the way, guys, is that uh, we got a water jet at the makerspace. It's uh, Protomax. Yep, the Omax Proto Protojet. And Omax Protojet, and uh, it'll do one-inch thick materials. It does real high-speed uh, uh, or high-pressure jet with garnet, and it'll do up to 12 by 12 inches. Is that right? That's right. It's not that little laser thing with the low-pressure water jet-ish type stuff. Yeah, this is the real deal. And, and it looks like uh, a large-ish uh, uh, clothes washer size, right? That's about yeah. more or less. Uh, so... Uh, We'll do a whole thing on that. I think people will be very interested in hearing about it, but we're out of time today. I think we went totally bamboo today. Um, so uh, let's do some closing statements, uh, and then we'll turn it over to the jury. Uh, Robin, what do you want to? How do you summarize where you're at and where you're going with 3D printing? Uh, my biggest problem is having time to draw up some of the stuff that I want to make. I have a list 50 miles long, but uh, I, I need to be better at uh, having it run all day, which I, I am not currently able to do. That's a good problem to have, though. I mean, because yeah, I'm I'm not downloading models to do. I'm I, everything I want to print is something I have to do myself. And are you generating STLs out of? I am. I am. I am purely sending it step files. I've never sent it anything but a step file, which it, which it prefers. A step file is, okay. if you have a choice, immensely better way to send it because the geometry that it generates is more precise than if you said a STL. So you're coming out of SolidWorks, I assume, yep. with a step file, and that's yep. going into that's getting sucked into yep. Prusa, uh, Prusa, uh, Bamboo, uh, Bamboo Studio. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Uh, what are your thoughts, Bill? Where are we going with this thing? I just want a bigger version and then I'm going to replace everything I own with it. But no, it's, it's out of all the years I've been doing 3d printing, you know, back in the time of assembling water, wooden printer bots and, you know, using fishing line as mm -hmm. X and Y axis movement and things. You know, this is the first time I've had a printer where it's like out of the box, does everything I want. I have zero complaints, but in multicolor and more multicolor is where I'm going with this thing. More next is <clears throat> just decorative things, toys, but multi-material is the one thing I haven't tried with it, which is, Besides using it for supports, I want to do things like TPU and PLA and PETG in the same print for different functional capabilities, just because there's some interesting designs that I want to see if I can manufacture it all in one go. So that's that's my next step with this one. Outstanding. And for me, I have a project coming up. I talked to Robin about it briefly. Uh, the uh, damping follower project for the grinder. Uh, I have a design that is about 80% finished uh, in Fusion. And that's going to be 3D printed uh, with uh, two different metal parts, no spoilers, 
Um, and that's in the pipeline, and we'll be showing that off soon. So I'm excited. Yeah. I don't think I remember being this excited about a 3D printer. Uh, oh, your first one. I remember back in the day. Back in the day. So <laughs> my... <laughs> Just just for completeness, I started the, my very first printer. This is actually pretty resonant, if you'll allow the pun. Uh, my very first printer was a uh, uh, MakerBot replicator. It was supposed to be the printer that just works, and and they were selling it. Yeah, I know. They were selling it through Staples, and I said, I was on the edge about buying a 3D printer, and I said, well, if they're selling it through Staples... It's got to be like an appliance. And even though I'm a nerd, I'm going to go buy it, just like some guy off the street. It was okay. It was, it was uh, yeah. Got, I donated that, ended up with the Taz 6, I think right after that. Uh, great printer. Loved it, except it took 3 millimeter filament. Um then got a Prusa. So I had the Taz 6 and a Prusa for a long time. Bought a second Prusa. And, uh, no, then I decided I was going to standardize on the Prusa. So I, so I, I d actually donated to Taz 6, bought two more Prusas, and I had, that's where my three Prusa farm has been. And along comes the bamboo. And printer number one, Prusa number one, is sitting on the healing bench. It's fine. It's working, but it's not doing anything. And here I sit looking at this thing going, boy, howdy, this might be the one. Um, so overall, recommends for a first-timer, asks Flatlapper, Bill? Definitely, yes. Robin, as a first-timer? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I have to say, yeah, definitely. How's that? We're like unanimous. <laughs> I will oh not goodness. start asking what kind of pizza we order because then we'll get different answers. But um, Functional Print Friday says, music to my ears hearing you're only doing functional prints and no downloaded trinkets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not revealing everything, okay? I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, I did load a, a couple functional prints. The uh, desiccant holder that screws into the spool off of Prusa and I filled them with desiccant, and then I did the replacement trays for desiccant that go into the AMS. Nice. And, and that just watching that print was amazing. Yeah. The trees and everything that generated, that was awesome. And uh, I did a poop shoot, uh, which I like a lot. I, I saw a lot of different poop shoots for the back of the bamboo, and I found one I really liked, which I'll – put a link somewhere but it's it's a very simple one it's just a tall thing and it has little pockets for the three mag for three magnets i printed it i took my i found my magnets i jammed them in those things and boom it was a functional print so that was my yeah that was awesome all right uh bill thank you for making it for all the way from the flattest part of the country did you stone the uh the ground that you walked on no, unfortunately, I was going 85 miles an hour, so it was a little bit too fast. You know, the feed speeds were a little bit too rough. So, you know. Was there any residual imbalance? Yes. Okay, thank you. You are correct. <laughs> there was residual imbalance. Robin, thanks for jumping in. I appreciate it. Uh, th this all came together at the last minute because I, <laughs> last I, I, 
the literally the last seconds, which is why we started seven minutes late. <laughs> but it was totally worth it. Uh, Robin, thanks again for coming back. Thanks. Bill, I hope we can have you again. Everybody, Absolutely. have an awesome rest of your weekend. We'll continue the conversation. And uh, you guys stick around in the Zoom meeting. And I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Take care. <laughs>